Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Foot Features podcast series. I'm head of middle school, John Turner. Today I'm joined by our fourth grade teachers, John Climey, Denise Quinn, and Toby Welch, who developed and continue to shape an innovative and forward-thinking study of forced migration and slavery. This unit is a wonderful example of how we are bringing authenticity and relevance into the classroom. I'm really excited by their work, and I'm glad that they could be with us today. I hope our listeners will hear this podcast on a couple of levels. First, to learn more about what we're teaching at Foot and how we bring such a topic forward to our students. And also to gain an insight as to how our teachers go about developing, engaging, thoughtful, and vital curriculum. Welcome to John, Denise, and Toby. Thank you. Thanks. Well, great to be here. So I want to begin if I just to ask you a little bit about what was going on before you were teaching this unit. This time of year where this unit is placed in your calendar, you had you know, work in this space going on before, but you had the sense that you wanted to refine it. Can you talk about sort of what was going on before and kind of how you tipped towards a sense that you could do something different and, and maybe more innovative? Sure. Uh, so we've been teaching uh, immigration um, for several years, and that was the sort of the backbone of the social studies curriculum. Um, and we paused at one point and said, what, what are, what's the glue that holds all of this together? Um, why, are we, why are we looking at immigration? How does it relate to um, some of the larger themes and topics? And so we really had to back up for a moment and to say, what, what's a central question that we can uh, look at immigration and uh, our social studies curriculum through? So we took some time and uh, came up with a, the central question that we're now working w with, which is, why do people migrate? And in looking at that question, we began to uh, uh, see that, that there were more ways that, that people migrated than just what we had done uh, in our curriculum beforehand. And so um, we identified three major reasons why people migrate by choice, by situation or circumstance, and then by force. And um, we, in looking at that, we recognized that we really hadn't done anything uh, with uh, the people's migration by force. We start the year talking about uh, the Transcontinental Railroad, and that gets us into um, Chinese workers, and that was definitely by choice or by situation. And then we move on to um, immigration from Eastern Europe and Russia and Poland specifically. And so that definitely brings the kids into another type of migration. Um, but then we realized that we never did touch on forced migration. So when you asked what we were teaching before, um, we moved quickly on to the study of the states, but we realized that we were missing out on an opportunity. So we did have to adjust what we taught, um, and we didn't actually look to taking anything out of the social studies curriculum. We um, took out uh, a writing project that we felt really wasn't, we weren't getting the bang for our buck. So the children used to um, create picture books, and we realized that the amount of time that they took to do that really wasn't uh, advantageous. And so we took that out of the curriculum and then just reworked our writing and our social studies curriculum. So curriculum planning takes a lot of work. I, I know and I've, I've been there and I've done it. Um, can you talk about your journey, your process that brought this um, from sort of the idea into the classroom? Yeah, happy to. Um, the, uh, the biggest uh, limiting factor for teachers is planning time and time away from the kids so that you can really uh, see what you want to accomplish and to sort of um, have that space in school is really important so we were granted um, I don't know how how many hours three three or four hours during a school day 
and we came down to a separate space and we laid out everything we we had and we just started talking about ideas we wanted to hit and we used uh, the whiteboards and we you know sort of you know kind of went down different avenues including literature including really important ideas and then things that we were concerned about because it is a really tricky subject and um, we knew that it was going to take a while to unpack all the things that we wanted to discuss and we didn't quite know how to do that so the three of us just locked ourselves in a room and had a great time I thought and uh, and and we um, you know we, we started that way we knew it would morph uh, over time but that was a great first step how did you start? I mean, this topic, this forced migration, migration, talking about slavery is such a big topic. How did you know where to start this unit? How did you know where you wanted to bring it to? How did you know what you wanted to include and leave out? Well, we first started on the whiteboard and we literally put up Euro European migration, Chinese migration, and everything that we covered during those two units and really came down to the impact, how they came here, their experience. And so then we gathered the information we knew just from our own shared experience and just put down what we wanted to impart to the students. So what was the impact on the United States and on Africa? What, um, how did they get here, the circumstances and things like that. And so when we actually put it on the board and we had this kind of comparison, we could see where we wanted to go. And so that narrowed our focus a little bit more because um, when we first sat down right at the beginning, it was overwhelming and it was where are we going to begin? And luckily John jumped up and said, well, what do we do already? And from there it really narrowed, okay, this is what we want to accomplish. What is out there? And so then we turned to the librarians for some literature. And I think in, in, in looking at that, um you know what are we what are we doing and what can we add? We also, I think, uh, had to look at resources and and try to find um, things that are going to be appropriate. And I think for myself and for three of us, and it's been a bit of a different journey, I think, for all of us. But we really had to educate ourselves. Um, we got uh, Howard Zinn's book um, on history and, and began reading. Um, we began to educate ourselves as to the, the, um, the history of slavery into this country. And, and we, don't, we didn't necessarily take everything that we had read and, and turn it into curriculum, but we needed to become much more knowledgeable about a topic that we really didn't know a lot about yet. Um, and so that was definitely a beginning point. I think one of the um, things we had to think about also was how we were going to present this to a fourth grader, a nine and ten year old, and they're very mm -hmm. visual. And so we had a lot of good picture books, a lot of good books, and we were all educated and really took a lot of our own time away from school to read a lot and dig deep. And then I found, luckily, this um, uh, this movie called Many Rivers to Cross, and it was a six-part documentary by Henry Louis Gates Jr. And uh, that's, that kind of held the glue together, like, oh my goodness, this is a really good source. The kids can have visuals. They can learn about forced migration. It went sequentially, um, chronologically. And then that's where we started to say, okay, we can, this is a really good resource along with the books. Um, and we really- and Monica Edinger's. That and, was another key. Right, um, yeah. I, I think the line. movie, um, when we were thinking in terms of kids, we were thinking of a timeline. And the timeline, all the timelines we found on forced migration included hundreds of things. And we really whittled it down to concentrating on 15 things that the kids could really take home with them. And so that movie helped us kind of really um, 
narrow our focus. And I think that was really helpful. One of the other things um, we did was Denise found a website by Monica Edinger from the, what was the school? The Dalton School? The Dalton School. And one of the, it was a, it was a quite a find because she even had some documents uh, that she created that would be sent home to parents alerting them to uh, the upcoming study. Um, and just the wording that she used, it was just a nice way for us to you know, see what's already out there so that we didn't really have to reinvent the wheel and something that's out there uh, that would kind of speak to our population. So um, all of these things we sort of happened upon and then we kind of morphed them to kind of fit our, our needs. But um, it was really important to see what was working uh, because it's such a daunting task if you just look at it globally. So Monica Edinger is a fifth grade teacher at the Dalton School and she's also the author of Africa is My Home. And so that was another really great resource. Um, that book centers on the Amistad um, revolt and uh, told in a way from a child's perspective. And so that really helped us because we had a local connection to the Amistad as well. So the book was set and really appropriate for fourth graders. She had already done the hard work and done the, you know, and shared it. And then we had the great resource of the New Haven Museum that has a permanent exhibit on the Amistad. And so we thought, oh, wonderful. This is a really doable thing, a, a field trip that we could walk to the New Haven Museum, use their resources, and make another connection in our curriculum to something that was um, greater than our classroom. So it's that, that effort that is bringing uh, different perspectives, but really child-centered perspectives to the classroom that I think has been very important for you in, in you know, making this work from Monica Editor's book to the local resources that you described in the New Haven Museum. But you've also been able to find some books that really tell this story to kids in the right way. Right. We've, we selected um, uh, three literature uh, pieces that, that um, uh, really anchor a lot of uh, our work uh, in this curriculum. Um, and uh, so we've selected three books, Eliza's Freedom Road, um, another book, uh, Brady, and another uh, book uh, called Seward Born. And I think one of the themes that um, we hit on fairly early in, in talking about the enslavement of people um, was that we really needed to focus on acts of resistance and, and how people resisted, both abolitionists and as well as uh, slaves um, themselves. Because I think for students, um, that's a central question uh, for them. And these three books do a really nice job of talking about how um, uh, the, the characters in these stories uh, persevered, were brave, were um, really went out of, uh, out of the comfort zone to, to resist um, acts of slavery. Many of the children know the name Harriet Tubman and have a vague idea of the Underground Railroad. Right. Um, but we also teach them about really other amazing enslaved people like uh, Mumbet, which was one of the first women that fought for her freedom, or Robert Smalls, who um, com commandeered a um, Confederate ship to his freedom. And so all of these really wonderful stories, and a lot of times the children ask, is this real? Is this real? And when we say yes, um, I didn't really anticipate the excitement um, that they had. Mm -hmm. I was more worried about are we doing this in a sensitive and, sensitive and empathetic way that will honor all these children. But they were so excited because it was almost like they knew that we had a responsibility to teach them this in a, a sensitive way, but they felt like 
some of my kids mentioned I felt a little bit more adult. Like I felt like you were trusting us with something that was um, really heavy and they liked that and they rose to the challenge and they were, the response the first year was unlike anything I could really ever anticipate. They um, treated this this tough subject with, I don't know, I was just impressed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was impressed with how, um, and I got a lot of feedback from the parents as well saying that they were a little worried um, how this is going to happen, but that when the children came home with stories, um, tangible mm -hmm. stories that mm -hmm. they could share, and it just wasn't about Harriet Tubman, but it was about so much more that they really were appreciative that this unit was being shared. As a school, we get really excited about the ways that we bring collaboration to our learning, hands-on learning. We help students discover what they know through lots of different means and media. I wonder how this has been true in this unit, how within this uh, forced migration unit have you really allowed kids to collaborate, allowed kids to really get their hands on what they're learning and how, and how they're showing what they learn. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important to the three of us that we try to make everything as fun as possible and um, hitting as many different sort of strength of the kids as we can. Uh, the three books that Toby mentioned are all um, about the Underground Railroad. And at the beginning of the year, it's very common for a child to think there was an actual railroad. Um, and that's not anything that we, I don't think I anticipated how many children knew absolutely nothing about it. So they read these books. Um, and then at the end, uh, they're in small groups in the rooms. So I should tell you that maybe there are six ch children in each book, for each book. And so at the end of the book, they have to decide uh, eight or nine major scenes from the story. And then they are going to make a story quilt, which kind of aligns with the idea that when enslaved people were uh, communicating about ways to get out, they would often communicate uh, the effective way out by uh, codes written or codes weaved into, woven into quilts uh, with different geometric shapes, which is again something that I learned uh, when we started down this road a few years ago. So uh, right now actually the children are deciding which are the nine most important scenes and then they're collaborating uh, to make a quilt out of uh, felt and burlap and hot glue, uh, which could be dangerous at times, but, uh, but, but they all take a lot of ownership over it, and there's a lot of planning involved, and there are a lot of disagreements, um, but it also kind of hits on a lot of other things, like summarization and seeing a main idea versus a detail and things like that. So the plot of a story. Absolutely, all the elements of a story. So that's kind of uh, the one of the most enjoyable parts of this unit is seeing these stories come alive in, in a creative and interesting way that aligns with um, something that was used uh, 200 years ago. This year with the quilts, I was going to tie it into, um, we've never really um, used Iris, the refugees. We don't go over what a refugee is, but this year we decided that um, we, I saw online that um, Iris had a quilt made all out of scraps of uh, material from refugees that came to New Haven. And so I said, oh my goodness, I called up and said, we make a quilt, we would like to come see your quilt. And then Dennis from Iris said, well, let's work together and we'll bring a refugee family in. And so it's really nice how just these little bits of your community come into your life and then you're like, well, we make quilts and we're gonna mm -hmm. go to Iris. Mm -hmm. and it's just really come full circle, so we'll continue to work with Iris and see what that kind of relationship is, but it all came from you know, a project-based learning um, quilt, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Right. And we often talk sometimes when we talk about planning curriculum, especially in the social studies realm, we talk about the idea that you know, much of what we learn is 
um, you know, long ago and far away, and the, the ways that you're taught describing, you know, making things have that here and that now relevance is very interesting in some of the things you've said, both about the Amistad, a very local connection there, but also, you know, that now, you know, going on and where students can really, you know, kind of piece some things together and say, hey, there's, there's a mm -hmm. connection. Yeah, yeah. wonder if you could talk about some of the, um, the best decisions you've made in this process in planning this and some of the decisions you still think are sort of kind of out there for you to be considering as you continue to help this evolve? Um, I think the best decisions uh, or some of the best decisions that, that we've made um, I think really just have happened through collaboration. Um, uh, it's so important for uh, the three of us um, to work really closely together to, to you know look at these things that to, to uh, dive deeply into a topic educate ourselves resurface um, try to find some curriculum materials go to the library get some more materials and and add those layers on so I, I can't stress enough how important the approach that we've taken in terms of that, that collaboration is just key to success in the classroom and the, and the other thing I think um, is uh, coming up with a central question too as well. Why do people migrate? And I think that sort of using that as a lens through which to look at the curriculum many years ago and to say what are we doing what are we not doing and, and hence uh, what areas do we need to, to add. Um, but that I think it really helps students to, to be able to, to look at a central question and, and, and look at the Chinese immigration into the United States to help build the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, the Northern Europeans out of Poland and, and Russia during the religious persecution, um, uh, the, the enslavement of, of people in, from uh, Western Africa coming into the Americas and what that was like. It, it just helps to focus uh, that and, and to make that definition. So I think that was another key. I think also we didn't anticipate um, how much the children would enjoy it or how much we would enjoy it and learn. And so we've given ourselves the gift of time. Um, we've revamped our curriculum. Um, we used to teach us in uh, a very you know, dedicated space, but now we said, well, we didn't even get to the Amistad our first year. We had these grandiose plans, um, and it just seemed mm -hmm. too compact, and we were always rushing trying yeah. to fit everything in. And then we sat together this year and said, well, why can't we teach it after spring break? Why do we? Why can't we go to the Amistad um, in April? And it gave us the freedom to say, yeah, this can be something that can be taught at the same time as other things. And we don't want to jip the children or ourselves of a really unbelievable learning opportunity. So instead of just teaching it from January to March, um, as we have done for uh, two years now, we are going to spill over into April and still teach all of the other things, but really enjoy the gift of time that we've given um, ourselves and so we can really um, enjoy the, um, you know, the local, the, uh, the story of the Amistad, which the kids are fascinated um, that about how the um, there's a monument in at the New Haven Green that we're hoping to walk to and that the ship was originally in New, New London and um, they're just really fascinated that their little city, a little city of New Haven, can be involved in such a monumental um, act of resistance by enslaved people. I would agree. I would also say that it, um, the things that we try to do every day is to get kids to believe that, that they are a valuable member of a team, no matter what they do. And it doesn't matter what unit we're, we're in. Um, I think, and I hope that the children see how much that we plan together as a team. I hope that kind of filters down to them because 
we've been working together for a long time, and we've been asked many times to revamp what we're doing and to be able to continue to look critically at why we're doing what we're doing. So the I don't think that this would would have worked as well if the three of us had different ideas about things and weren't willing to work together and had a different agenda. Um, we all bring something different to the table, but in the end, um, our enthusiasm for planning this and our our enthusiasm for mining different resources and for you know hitting the kids on different levels. Um, I think it you know when we collaborate for anything, we we talk about what worked and what didn't. And so at the, at the end of every unit, no matter what unit it is, we, um, you know, we give each other, you know, the space to have feedback and um, hopefully it just, you know, it sharpens us the next time around. So uh, just the strength of our group, I think, is, you know, can't be, you know, overstated, yeah, I don't great. think. Great. Yeah. Awesome. It's a great point to end and we'll sort of close up shop here. I want to thank Toby Welch and Denise Quinn and John Kleiman for joining me for our podcast today. Lots to think about going on in our fourth grade, lots to think about uh, going on in the minds of our young kids. And, but it happens when teachers get together, when they, they work well together, and when they think about how they can stretch kids in all the right ways. So it's an awesome opportunity to talk to you today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks John. Foot Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K through 9, located in New Haven, Connecticut. For more information, visit us at footschool.org.